You're listening to The Royally Made, a different kind of podcast helping you grow in power, purpose, and grace. Let's see what it really means to be a royal daughter. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and happy Halloween. I hope you are having a very spooky weekend. Today, in honor of the spooky season, I wanted to share on a topic that I think is actually probably pretty relatable, and that is how to make spiritual warfare less scary. And I think this is something that we don't actually talk about a lot too often. We're always talking about um, you know, how to fight the devil and how to how to fight and, you know, fight for our, our faith. And, and all those things are good and they're great. But I think sometimes uh, we put so much emphasis on fighting and fighting demonic spirits and, and authority and, and all these things that are that are good things. But sometimes they start to paint a picture that's actually very scary. And I know sometimes it can actually feel like you don't want to engage and you don't actually want to... Uh, become a threat to the devil because then he might attack you. And so you kind of just want to fade into the background. And and that's not the right perspective either. We shouldn't be Christians who are afraid of the devil, who are afraid of spiritual warfare, because that's not the right perspective. That's not what spiritual warfare is. So today I want to share some things with you that I think will kind of shift our perspective on what spiritual warfare is. And if this is something that you've ever dealt with or are dealing with, and you tend to be afraid or passive, or you don't really want to make the devil mad or anything like that, then I hope that this will help give you a different perspective on what this really is. So when it comes to spiritual warfare, something that I was thinking of the other day, I think really kind of helped shift how I looked at it. And that is the concept of a haunted house. Again, in honor of Halloween, we're going to go there. So I have personally never been in an official haunted house. I think I would be way too scared. But something that I find very interesting about haunted houses is that even though they're trying, obviously, to scare you throughout the experience, the actors in that house are not actually legally allowed to touch you. Now, there are some haunted houses where they do, but you have to actually sign a waiver. You basically have to give them legal permission to be able to touch you or grab you and things like that. But we're just going to talk about a typical haunted house where you don't give them permission to do that. And what happens is they don't have any legal right to touch you. So they'll jump out and scare you. They'll, they'll make a scene, you know, they'll try to get you scared because that's kind of the point you know, and they'll try to intimidate you and and show you things and get you to jump, but they have no legal right to touch you. In fact, they could get in a lot of trouble because if they hurt you, then they're liable. And so they can't actually touch you in any way. And when I thought about that, I thought how incredibly interesting that is when you think about spiritual warfare. When we talk about fighting the devil and fighting, you know, his minions and stuff, it can get a little bit overwhelming because we're like, oh no, who am I? I'm just this little person. You know, if he really wanted to come attack me, he could, and then I'd kind of be screwed. But that's not how spiritual warfare works. If you think about it, the devil, just like at a haunted house, has no legal right to touch you. He cannot touch you. He cannot put his mark on you unless you give him permission just like at a haunted house. And so when we think about spiritual warfare, we need to understand that there's no reason to be afraid because there's no legal way for him to actually have access to your life 
unless you give it to him. And so then you may be thinking, oh no, maybe I've given it to him. Maybe I've opened the door. It's really not that easy. You know, you kind of have to be trying. You kind of have to be wanting to give him that access. You know, you have to, you have to want to do things that you know are wrong. And so I think most of the time when people are afraid of the devil, it's not because he actually has a lot of access in their life. It's because we haven't been taught what spiritual warfare is and what it isn't. And so with this new perspective in mind of a haunted house, I want to share three things that are important to remember when it comes to spiritual warfare to help make it a little less scary. The first thing that we need to remember about spiritual warfare is our position. And so what I want to do is read to you in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 20. It says, He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. Man, when you just read this, you need to understand how powerful Jesus is. He defeated everything. He made an open mockery of Satan and his kingdom when he showed up in hell. I love thinking what that probably looked like. I'm sure we'll know when we get to heaven, but I love thinking of when when the devil thought he killed Jesus and all of a sudden he shows up in hell. I don't even think there was a battle. I don't even think there was a fight. I think the devil was so taken back by the fact that Jesus was there and that Jesus was strong and he came, took the keys of sin and death and then led all his people out of there. I just, I love thinking of what that was like. And you need to have pictures of this going on in your mind because you may be thinking, well, that's Jesus and he did that and he's above everything and he's up there, but that doesn't mean I am. But if you keep reading just a few verses later in chapter two, starting in verse four, this is what it says. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We are seated in the same place as Jesus, in the same position as he is, because he's on the inside of us. And if this is something that you're struggling with, I want to really encourage you to dive deep into understanding your position in Christ. You're not someone who's trying to be good enough. You're not someone who's trying to do all the right things so that you can win your battles. You're someone who needs a revelation of who you already are and the position that you already have. Because again, when you fully understand your position in Christ and where you're seated above all other rulers and authorities and demons and the kingdom of darkness, when you understand your position, then you have no reason to be afraid. Because just like in the haunted house, you realize these things have no legal right to touch you. 
My echo just went off. My bad. (laughs) But these things have no legal right to touch you. And when you understand your position, it gives you a confidence that nothing else can give you. And then when you have that revelation, the fear and the worry and the anxiety begins to dissipate because that's no longer your focus. Your focus is on where you're seated with him. I heard a minister one time say, you know, Jesus told her, you know, your place is not on the throne. We're not the Lord of our lives, right? He is our Lord and his place is on the throne. So he says, your place isn't on the throne, but your place is on my lap. And we need to get that vision in our life, especially if you're someone who deals with fear when it comes to these things. You are so protected. You're not on the throne. You're not the savior, but you're in his lap because he loves you so much. You are his precious, beloved daughter. And that is why the enemy hates you so much, but he can't do anything about that. He just distracts you. He just jumps out at you and tries to scare you, try to get you in fear, but he can't actually do anything about it because he's under your feet because you're sitting on your savior's lap and you need to get a revelation of that. I want to read you something out of my journal that I wrote down about this uh, not long ago. And it's this concept of spiritual warfare. And you notice in fairy tales and all of the stories that we love, the villain always goes after the beauty. And that's because there's something about her that's really special. And I wrote, you know, the evil queen and Maleficent put the beauty to sleep. Both were intending to kill her. Mother Gothel locks Rapunzel in the tower. The white witch lures the children to her house in order to kill them. The villain always sees the potential in us before we see it. If you think you aren't a threat, that just shows how easily you can be manipulated. When you get this concept of who you are to God and your position in him, you realize that everything that is intimidating you is meant to intimidate you. It's meant to shut you up. It's meant to keep you silent. It's meant to hide you away in the corner of your fear so that you can't make an impact in this world. Because if you did, there would be nothing that could stop you. You know, the evil queen of Maleficent literally put the beauty to sleep. Mother Gothel hid the beauty away in a tower so that no one could see it. The white witch lured the children to her castle so that she could take them away. It's the same story over and over again. And we need to wake up to the fact that this is our story. This is what's happening to us. You're the beauty that the prince came and saved and loved and adores and gave power and authority. You know, when Cinderella married the prince, she now had authority. She was the princess. She would eventually become queen. And she didn't earn any of that. She was a peasant girl. She didn't come from royalty. But because the prince loved her and chose her, she now has authority to rule and rule in that kingdom. And no one can intimidate her because she's the ruler. And that is how we need to see ourselves and we need to see our position in Christ. The only thing the enemy can do is intimidate you. But he can't intimidate you if you know who you are and you know whose you are. And the second thing that we need to remember when it comes to spiritual warfare is, of course, our authority. But I want to take a slightly different look at it. You find the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 13. It says, For this reason, take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand, stand therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Again, we have a lot of teaching in the Christian world about the armor of God and how we're supposed to fight and be brave and strong and go out and face the devil. And again, there's a place for that. And that is true to a degree. Something that I don't think we always point out is that when it comes to the armor of God, the ways in which we're meant to fight the enemy, these are all gifts from God, every single one of them. Truth, righteousness, peace, salvation, faith, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, praying in tongues. These are all things that none of us earn, deserve, or can have and use on our own, but they're all gifts from God that were given to us freely. So that means when it comes to facing the enemy and fighting him and using the armor of God against him, these are revelations of the gifts that God has already given you. Understanding your righteousness is a weapon. Understanding his truth is a weapon. Understanding the word of God is a weapon. Walking in peace is a weapon. Understanding your salvation is a weapon. These are revelations of who you are and the gifts that God has put in your spirit. And that is how you fight the enemy. It's not just about physically going out and fighting anyone because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? This is a different kind of battle. And so we need to know our enemy. It's a different kind of enemy. And we need to use a different kind of weapon. And too often we make it about us. Okay, well, if I go to church, oh, but if I haven't been going to church, or if I haven't been reading my Bible, or if I haven't been spending enough time with God, or or if I've been giving in to fear and worry and anxiety, then I, you know, the devil's going to get me because I haven't been doing all of these things right. That is not the right way to look at spiritual warfare because it's not about you and what you do. It's about you understanding and not getting distracted by the gifts that God has given you. These are gifts. They have nothing to do with you. Again, you know, we're saved by grace. What Jesus did for us was because he loved us. What the prince did for Cinderella was because he loved her, not because she did anything to deserve it. It's the same way with us. We have these gifts because of the great love of God that has been bestowed upon us. And so when you need to fight, when you need to engage in spiritual warfare, it's not about you doing or saying all the right things. It's about you resting and fixing your mind on who you are, your position, and understanding your authority by understanding all of the gifts that God has given you. And these things are already yours in Jesus. They're in your spirit. They can't be taken away way if you don't go to church or if you don't read your Bible. Now you may be in more fear if you don't read your Bible. You may be in more more anxiety if you're not listening and spending time with him, but that's because your heart is getting distracted. Your heart is listening to the enemy rather than to your king. The third thing that we need to remember when it comes to spiritual warfare is to remember our destiny. And this one is really important. It says in Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration, plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. I think this one is especially important in our day and age because there's so much fear, worry, anxiety going on in our world, in our society, in our government, worldwide on our planet. I mean, there's so much uncertainty, but what will get us through these times and when the enemy tries to come and distract you and get you into fear and get you discouraged 
One thing that's really going to help you stand your ground and stand strong is having an understanding of your future and of your destiny in God. He has nothing but good things in store for you. No matter what's happened in your past, no matter what you've done or what you haven't done, he has a great marriage for you. He has a great job for you. He has a great family for you. He has a great um great life planned for you, an exciting life that is tailor-made for you and how he made your heart and made your soul. Those are things that need to be a revelation to you because a lot of times we fear the devil and we fear spiritual warfare because we're afraid that maybe we're going to be a casualty of that war. But what we need to do is get our mind off of that fear and onto who we are in Christ and what God has in store for us. Because when you realize what God has in store for you, then you realize the devil devil's just trying to intimidate you. Because like I said earlier, the enemy often sees the potential on your life before you do. So he doesn't care what happened in your past. He doesn't care how much you read your Bible. He doesn't care about any of these things. He cares about your future and about taking that away from you because he sees it as a threat. And so he sees the spirit of God in your life. And that is what he's after. He'll use your past. He'll use your fear. He'll use your insecurities to distract you if that's what it takes. But he is after your future and he is after you getting discouraged and not really having any kind of hope because faith is the substance of things hoped for. And if he can keep you from having any hope for your future, then he takes away your ability to have faith in God. And so therefore, he kind of gets you in a sedated state where you're not really a threat anymore, like an animal who's been incapacitated. They're just not really a threat. And that's what he's trying to do to you. So you need to get a vision for your future, the plans he has for you. And you know, not just this future, but it's really important that we get a vision for what our future is going to be in the next world. Because our life is more than just what goes on on this planet. I want to share something with you from my journal um, that actually is from a book that I read, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Last Battle. I know, I know, I'm a big fan. And this here is right at the end of the very last book. And every time I read it, it overwhelms me because it speaks of the life to come. And again, if we were to get this into our hearts, I think it would really change the way that we see things on this in this world. And this is Aslan. Aslan is just speaking to everyone. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. I love the picture that this is painting. Our time on this earth, while God wants it to be great, and he has a purpose for you, and he has a plan for you, and he has good things for you, our time on this earth is so short, and it's so insignificant compared to what we're going to walk into in the next world. And when you get a vision of this, when you realize, man, I'm just beginning, I'm barely beginning my story of existence. When I cross over into the next world, it's going to be absolutely incredible where I'm going to truly be living. I have so much to do in the next life. God is going to use me. God has plans for me there too. When you start to get this image 
of what the next life is going to be and the story that's really being told right now in your life. It brings so much significance to your life on this earth that, you know what, you realize, man, the enemy really just wants to waste my time. He really just wants to make my time on this earth wasted and worry and fear and anxiety because then I don't help people. And I don't really make a difference in the kingdom of God. He is so terrified of what I could do on this in this world. And when you get that kind of attitude, you can't be intimidated any longer. And again, going back to the haunted house, that's all he can do. He's just trying to intimidate you. And so what you need to do is get a revelation of your position, that you're seated with him on his lap above everything else, of your authority, and realize that it's not about you fighting good. It's about you resting in the gifts that he's already given to you and letting him do the fighting. And then you also need to understand your destiny and where you're going, not only on this earth, but your destiny in heaven and in the next life, because it's going to open up so much potential and so much confidence in you that spiritual warfare isn't really going to be that big of a deal. One more quote I want to share with you from the Chronicles of Narnia, and this is from the book Prince Caspian that happened when Susan felt really bad about something that she did, the girl Susan. And I think that this is super relatable if you're feeling fearful, if you're feeling discouraged, if you're dealing with anxiety about spiritual warfare or really about anything else. I think you can relate to Susan in this situation. And so I want to read you what it says right here. Then after an awful pause, the voice said, Susan... Susan made no answer, but the others thought she was crying. You have listened to fears, child, said Aslan. Come, let me breathe on you. Forget them. Are you brave again? I feel like right now this is what God is saying to you as his daughter. Come over here. Come bring your fears to me. Come spend time with me. Let me breathe on you my words of life. And then you know what? You're going to feel better and you're going to be brave again. Because bravery is inside of you. Strength is inside of you. Confidence is inside of you. But you're not going to find it outside of him. All of these tips are meant to help you. But the one that truly matters is to spend time with Aslan, right? To spend time with your king. Because he is your security. He is your hope. He is your trust. He is your ability to fight anything simply by resting in him. But you have to spend time resting in him to have a confidence in that. And so just like Susan, I encourage you to go through these things, get a revelation of your position, your authority, and your destiny, but just spend time with him. Let him breathe on you. Read the Bible and let his words fill you with life and with warmth and with strength. And pretty soon, just like Susan, you'll look up and then you'll be brave again. And you'll realize that spiritual warfare is absolutely nothing to be afraid of. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this episode encouraged you. If it did, then please like this video and help support this channel. And also make sure to click the subscribe button below if you would like to see more videos from me. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, make sure to write the story of your life well. Thank you so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to leave a rating and a review. And if you would like to hear more episodes from me, then make sure to subscribe to this podcast. Thank you so much. And remember, until next time, to write the story of your life well. Well.